I am excited about tonight. Praise the Lord. It is the night that we're going to talk about this scripture right here in Proverbs 27, verse 17, in a split screen of the King James and the contemporary English version. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Listen to what the contemporary English version said. Just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds. If you've got friends or people you call friends that get your mind in the gutter, that's not the type of friends the Bible wants you to be hanging around. If you've got friends that lead your mind away from the holy things of God, Solomon doesn't consider those friends. But friends that he's talking about sharpen our minds, quicken our understanding, challenge us to draw near to God. If you don't have friends like that, you ought to make some. You ought to find some. All right, folks, ladies, plural, and gentlemen, singular, come on up here. Sister Maya, here's number one. Door number two, I mean seat number two. Sister Sonatag, you over there, please. And brother DJ, I got you right in the middle of it all, brother. Hallelujah. Iron sharpens iron. It is my full intent tonight that iron is going to sharpen iron. I've said this so many times, you could say it for me, but I've talked to people in coffee shops. I've talked to people in cafes. I've, talked, I've had people sit down beside me in the noisy goose and say, have you got a minute? I know you're a pastor. Can you answer this question? You can't dig your Bible out necessarily, and you can't get up and say, everybody listen right now. But we should, be all, we should always be ready to give an answer to every man and ask a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible said. And when people get together and talk about good things, that's one thing I always loved about just going over to dad's, dad's place because dad would always, almost always be looking in his Bible and, and so frequently he would say, son, you got a minute, son, you got a minute. And, and he wanted to just show me some little nugget he uncovered. And I, in those moments, I always felt like my iron was a little sharper after my dad shared those nuggets with me. That's my intent tonight, brothers and sisters. Let iron sharpen iron, so a man will sharpen the countenance of his friend. Sister Maya, everybody that I know has a value system. If they're in church or out of the church, if they're single or married, have kids or don't have kids, everybody's got some kind of a line of honor that they live by. Sinful people have them. Church-going folks have value systems, a lot of it stems from how we were raised. If we were raised with a strong fatherly presence, a holy presence from a mother, sometimes that personal conviction line is deep. Sometimes it's shallow in people, but everybody has some form of a value system. Some people know they, you can't give them enough money to do the wrong thing in life. Thank God for people that live right, and whether it's dark or bright, the lights are on. They're not going to compromise their personal integrity. That's, that's personal conviction. 
and living, I guess because of my age, I shouldn't be surprised, but being in Pentecost as long as I have, I do get surprised more often than I like when people look at me like I'm some kind of caveman because of my personal convictions. And I was raised by pastors. If you didn't believe it, get off the platform. Don't you dare ask about preaching or teaching or, or being a leader. They wanted men with strong personal convictions. <laughs> Die and breed, brother. We are living under, under such bizarre conditions, though. The church is, Sister Maya. You are as a believer. I am as a pastor. Bizarre is an understatement. Crazy is more like it. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even know if you follow the news, but it's hard to see any, any voice of reason out there knowing that you're a God-fearing woman and you love the Lord, been born again of water and spirit. How, how, do, how do you protect your personal belief system? How do you keep the world from just getting deep inside of that and turning it upside down and tearing it apart? Please. So, yeah, the question was, um, how do you uh, keep all the worldly influences and opinions out of your personal holy belief system? I used to tell my boys that life is like a video game. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is like my version of the Pilgrim's Progress, I guess. I'll use the metaphor a little bit here because I think it actually helps to describe my perspective and how I protect my faith from worldly influences and opinions. My favorite verse, right now anyway, is 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. It's like now we're Mario, living in a crazy world. But one day, we'll see the whole thing from the programmer's perspective. Until then, we're given a course to run, challenges to overcome, and an opportunity to become victorious. My manual, the Bible, explains the game I'm playing, and it points out what should be avoided and what tools are placed here to help me overcome the enemy. Plus, it's full of cheat codes to help me avoid the traps. Hebrews 13, 14 says, This world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. I try to maintain some level of detachment from this world. It's so easy to get sucked into the idea that this is all there is. The world says it's all about status, living your best life, looking your best, outshine the competition. Pride is a good thing, and if you've got it, flaunt it. All of this is just pure ugliness to God. I think that for every single thing that the world has an opinion on, we can find a scripture that proves that God is opposed to it. Psalm 18 and 30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. I like how 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 reads in the Message Bible. It says, Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, Slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. This set of scriptures, and many like them, help me to set the scene for the world I'm in, or as Mario, the game I am playing. 
They also make me check myself. Am I like this? If I am, I can repent and then get back in the game. But don't miss that glorious cheat code. Stay clear of these people. Without becoming the judgy type, I need to be wise about who I hang out with. Sure. Another faith protector for me is avoiding as much worldly media as possible. <laughs> if I pay attention to the news or listen to worldly programs from people who don't know God, I risk becoming fearful rather than faith-filled, angry rather than patient, and jaded rather than loving. These things pull my eyes off Jesus. They get me worried about the things I can't change and angry about the things that only the Lord gets vengeance on. Or worse, they can even convince me to agree with them, and I can end up in a war that is not mine to fight. For me, most media is like those little turtles in the game. You know, they go back and forth endlessly. They know less about this game than I do. I'm not going to stop them, stop and ask them for the directions. And they will trip me up if given the chance. But I can hop right over them, so no biggie. Romans 16, 19 says, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple unto that which is evil. Ephesians 5 and 12 in the NIV says it's shameful to even talk about the things the ugly people do, the ungodly people do in secret. Paul lived in a terrible time as well, and we find that his cheat code, we find his cheat code in Philippians 4 and 8. Summed up in the Amplified, it reads, Finally, believers, whatever is true, honorable, and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. People say, Maya, you need to know what's going on in the world. You live in a bubble, but my bubble is under the shadow of his wing. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. If there is something I need to know to finish my course, I trust the Lord to make it known to me. Everyone and everything in this world are, are created by him and for him. For a purpose, I can't even wrap my little Mario head around. <laughs> my only job is to win. The manual trains me in righteousness, equipping me for every good work, but I can do nothing without the programmer. He went before me. He created everything I see. If I read the manual, I'll already know who the enemy is and, who the t and what his tactics are and what tools are placed here for me. This game ain't easy, folks. Many will lose. Some will find the broad way and follow it straight to the pit of fire. Many will give up and walk away being so close to the victory. The Bible tells us that the love of many will wax cold in this game. So I try to keep my love for God and people at all costs, no matter how truly unfair it all seems sometimes. Jesus already won this game, and he says, with him, I can too. John 16, in the Amplified says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Some... Some think this world isn't so bad. Maybe they're okay with a temporary home, or maybe they just like collecting all the coins. We might be able to amuse ourselves for now, but that's just not how you win the game. Sooner or later, the music changes, and your time runs out. I can say by experience, though, if you still have time, the grace of God doesn't run out. He will give you a chance to run the course again. While I, when, I did, <clears throat> when I listened to the enemy, this world and its opinions, for too long, I got off course and confused. My heart began to harden toward God and people, and I felt like I had completely forgotten how to play this game. I forgot who I was and why I was here. 
I couldn't beat the level, and the enemy all but devoured me. But then I found the glorious reset button. <laughs> I had to start from scratch, you know, like right back at level one. I had to remember the basics. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be ye separate. Pray for those who hurt you. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The word of God is quick and powerful. Lean not into your own understanding. Turn the other cheek and return evil with good. But since I have played this game before, I caught on a little quicker. And with each battle, I started to remember how to overcome the enemy. Be thankful for all things. Esteem others higher than myself. Give joyfully. Remember the poor. Pray without ceasing. The trying of your faith produces patience. And in your patience, possess ye your souls. God's ways are opposite to the world's ways. I can only win this game using his plan. And he knows where I'm going. When he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Job 23 and 10. 2 Timothy 7 and 8 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which yeah. the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but, uh, but also to all who loved his appearing. And Matthew 24, 13, they who endure to the end shall be saved. God knows, God knows when our course ends. But if we win, we'll get to see the Creator's face and thank Him for never leaving us, giving us chances and the reset button and guiding us home. What a glorious day that'll be. So I guess the answer is that when things in this world make me afraid or pressure me to change my perspective, I pick up my manual, remember who I am and why I'm here. The Word of God is like a star power. It defeats the world's lies, opinions, and all it's crazy when it's applied. It gives us power to run straight into the enemy's camp. His weapons just bounce right off us. If I win this game, it will mean that by the grace of God, I didn't listen to the world's opinions. I didn't give in to the pressure to conform to it. But instead, I chose to fill my mind with his ways, his opinions, and his influences. It will mean that I have left this world with my faith intact. It will mean that my heart didn't wax cold because of the world. But instead, I learned to trust God and love even my enemies. I will have been salt and light, and that will have drawn more people to him. Game over, and I get to go home, and my sweet Jesus is the prize. One of the, one of the uh, nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit that Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians 12 is the discerning of spirits. And not, not, that, uh, not that I have time to explain this other than... Uh, just as I present it briefly, but uh, I've, I've always prayed, God, give me enough discernment to know how to operate in the spirit and not get so quickly directed and respond in the flesh. And I'm saying a lot of things to say this, I, I prayed a long time ago, God, if someone's lying to me about pertinent issues, I want to know it. Will you quicken my spirit? I'm not asking you to show me everybody's personal life, God. I'm just saying if it's something that's going to persuade me to go left or right in a response or a decision or some connection I make or don't make, would you please, please, please give me the discerning of lying in people? That might sound aggressive, but I'm just saying I believe it's helped me through the years because the world is lying to us. 
The world is lying to us. Washington is lying to us. Hollywood certainly is lying to us. They try to tell our young people, you got to be this beautiful. You have to be that eloquent. You have to be able to sing like that person for have, to have any level of success. They are lying to you. They are lying to you. The Bible said we should pursue holiness in the fear of God. Our heart, our mannerisms, our decisions, our mindsets, our thought patterns should be processed through the holiness of God Almighty. And because He is holy, what did He say? You be holy. So that means I can get there. But I can't believe the lies of the world, Sister Maya. And you put it perfectly. You put it perfectly. There's so much pressure, so many lies, and they paint it to be so beautiful. That's why we need counsel in our life. That's why we need people to hang around that can say, no, no, that's not what the Bible means there. That's not what the church is supposed to be looking after. Because if I just let Hollywood or Nashville or New York City or Madison Avenue, I should say, direct my value system, it's no wonder I look cross-eyed at the pastor when he talks about having personal convictions. I'd a lot rather have people that are too straight than people that, that believe everything goes with serving the Lord. I, I know, I, I realize some people are so acid hard, you can't eat, they don't even breathe. I get it. I don't want that either. But I'd rather you be straight. You get it. Thank you, Sister Maya. Tremendous. Tremendous. Anybody, anybody want that kind of advice? How do I keep the world from influencing my mind? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worthy, worthy words, sister. She deserves that. This is being recorded, right? All right. So it will be just go ahead and podcast it whenever you get a minute. Brother DJ, thank you for being willing to get involved tonight. I recently heard it. I'm talking about recently as in in the last couple of days. I heard a big media personality, not a star, but a media personality on, on the radio. It, it was so um, painful to me. I, I listened for a brief time and had to change the channel, but he was just poking all sorts of fun at the Bible and how irrelevant it is in 2023 and people that believe anything contained in the laws of God. I'm telling you what he said. He was saying this. He was literally calling the Ten Commandments words I won't even re respond. And, and New Testament, he would I, words I won't even repeat, I should say. And it, it just tears at the strings of my heart to hear people. That's like, anyway. Brother DJ, what value do you place upon God's Word? And, and not just that. I want you to give us some examples of how the contents of the Bible helps you. The world's all around us. We've got to have something we sink our spiritual teeth into. The promises of God. All right, praise the Lord. Um, so, the first part, it's, it's not very in-depth. I put incredible value in reading my Bible. It gives us the roadmap to salvation step-by-step. Step. teaches us how to pray, how to walk closer with God. There's lessons, parables that we can glean from to help grow. But, more, but what's most important for me is 
a lesson, what, what, it's a reminder of who God is. We serve a loving God, a provider, a protector, a God of mercy. And for me personally, uh, I, I pull a lot out of the Bible because it helps me with my daily struggles. For me, uh, I have struggles with mental health, and God has delivered me many times. And he will continue to heal me and help me grow. And one verse that helped me remember that is Isaiah 9-6. Um, there's a long list there. But um, the end of it is that they call him the Prince of Peace. He is our Prince of Peace today. When I'm fearful of being overtaken, when I'm worried about the enemy, whether that be in my head, whether that be people in my life, I'm reminded that our God is a God that shuts the mouths of lions as it says in Daniel 6:22. And I, I didn't give you the scripture, but God is also the God with perfect plans. And sometimes when I'm struggling with that thought, uh, I think of Exodus 2, when Moses is hidden for three months, give or take, and his mom floats him in the river. Of course, we know the story. He's found, he's brought to Pharaoh's uh, daughter, and it's a reminder that when God is with us, there's favor. There's no one that knows Pharaoh's laws better than Pharaoh's daughter. But when she was brought to Moses, she, the Bible says immediately, this is a child of, of a Jewish woman. God gives us favor, and God protects us. And for me... Um, so a reminder, uh, just a little personal testimony real quick. Uh, when I was, I was adopted, my mom's back there, um, and she's a praying woman. She loved me. She right. prayed over me long before she even had me in her hands. But God had a perfect plan because when I was born, I had this rare heart disease that was going to be really expensive. It was going to take a lot of time. And it was to the point where the agency actually had to ask my mom if they, if they still wanted me. They could have another kid that wouldn't be so difficult to, to manage. But my mom, she kept praying. She prayed over me. I made it through the surgeries. Obviously, I'm still here. God continued to protect me. Even in my adult life, long before I walked with the Lord, God continued to be with me. And God has many names. God has many titles that we use in the Bible based on how we know him. But we can believe in all that and we can have comfort that all those things are true. A couple of verses um, that I'm reminded of is Malachi 3.6. Um, For I am the Lord, I, I change not. And it's repeated in Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I haven't done a very good job of articulating what I'm trying to say, but the important thing that I pull from the Bible, all those things, all the attributes of God, all those reminders of who God is, it's super important. But beyond that, our God, we serve a God of consistency. 
Who he was yesterday is who he will be for today and who he will be tomorrow. And because he's a God of consistency, what's important for me, what I pull out of the Bible, when I look at Genesis 1.27, says, so God created man in his own image. So if God is a God of consistency, he must want me to be consistent. And you guys have been there with me a lot over the last five years. And anybody that knows me knows that I am a man of intense highs and devastating lows. <laughs> but that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to enjoy the good things. He wants us to have comfort in, in the difficult times. But God doesn't want us to be on an insane roller coaster. It's easy to praise God when the victory's already happened. But he wants to praise when we're in the valleys. And it's easy to pray, to pray with desperation and conviction until until your stomach turns. It's easy to pray like that when you're in the valley. But God doesn't just want our prayers when we're in a valley. He wants it when we're on the mountaintops. He wants us when we're in between. And God, the Bible just taught me that all those things are believable, all those things are real because God is a God of consistency. So good stuff there. You know, to me, just as a, a pastor and someone who's served God for a long time, you know when I finally get comfort in my soul over somebody that I'm watching grow in God is when the Bible becomes personal to them. When, when, the peop, when people talk, when Christians talk about the Bible like a newspaper article they read or, or, or an, a, a sports article they saw, it all, I'm, always, I'm always concerned inside. But when people start talking about it like it's, it's part of the fabric of their life, it's like you just did. You, you articulated much better than you gave yourself credit for. It speaks to you in the middle of the night. It speaks to you when you're all alone. It speaks to you when your heart is hurting and you can't tell anybody about it. When the Bible gets personal and gets inside those areas. There's no reason for any child of God to not be in that element of personal walk with God in the Bible. And he's, he's telling you the truth. The Bible tells us who God is, not just by name, but, but by experience. It, we, we see what he did. I'm telling you, there are times, Brother DJ, I know you've seen this too. But there are times I've looked at that very story of Moses in the ark and thought, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy, radical, miraculous stuff. But then I, as soon as I think that, I think, wait a second. He brought you out of darkness, too, and brought her out of darkness, too. The same thing God did for Moses, he did for her, and he did for me, and he did for you. It may not have been in the Nile River, but in your own way, it became personal to you who God was. Hey, that's the Lord. That's the Word of God. You know, you know this is true, and you can bear witness that if, if you judge yourself, if you look at yourself in the mirror of God's word or the mirror of life, whatever you want to call it, um, pardon me, Lord, not, not whatever you want to call it, but mirrors, reflective moments in life that you have, uh, if, if you're listening to the world at all, you never feel like you measure up. Never. 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 I, I, could tell, I sat in the hospital with a good friend of mine, Brother Tostin, 
um, it's been a couple years ago. He passed away in 20, 2020. I was in the hospital two or three times with him. And I kept witnessing to him about the goodness of the Lord and the, and the, the need to be born again of water and spirit. He, he had never, never even remotely talked about wanting to serve the Lord. But when I was in the hospital room, he wanted me to, he wanted me, uh, to listen to this message, this big dude in Houston. You know, is he said he just does something to me, and you know the name of the TV evangelist. He's got thirty-five thousand members and all that. And I was just, I was just like, I want to tear that thing off the wall. This is not a game. That man's lying to you. I, he was lying to my friend there. Lay, But when you have some word in your spirit, you'll never settle for lies. You'll never settle for false religion, anything phony, anything remotely fake. Brother DJ, even though you started out like that, as you explained to us, I, I agree with you. God's hand was on you, guiding your steps. I believe God saw tonight with you sitting right there. In that moment when the doctor said, do you even want to keep him alive? I remember going into a counselor's office. And he taught a lesson on the Godhead. And I, this is years ago, Brother Larry, many, many years ago. And I was just coming into truth. But I had seen Isaiah 9-6. I don't mean I'd seen it with my eyes. I saw it with my that revelatory minute had occurred to me. I didn't need anybody showing me. When I read that, I thought, Whoa, wait a second. I know who he's talking about. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Son will be called the Father. I didn't need nobody guiding my steps. So I, he, he taught a lesson. I said, you know, can I schedule a session with you? You had to schedule, schedule counseling. Hello, everybody. You had to schedule counseling with these guys. Coming to the office, what you got on your mind, Ron? I said, I just pulled, opened my Bible and said, right there. I said, explain to me what Isaiah 9, 6 is talking about. And he started stumbling all over himself, explaining it away as a mystery of godliness. And he was talking about Jesus, but he wasn't talking about Jesus. And there's this line of demarcation in Isaiah 9, 6. I said, I've had all I've heard need to hear. Closed up my Thompson chain, King James, and said, it's been a pleasure meeting you. I'm out of this school. I don't need to be here anymore. That scripture is so revelatory, so personal. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Hallelujah. Sister Sonatag, thank you also tonight for agreeing to be part of the panel. And... Uh, Everybody here that's lived for God at least a day, proverbially speaking, knows that growth and change are inevitable in life. Growth and change are inevitable in life. Things you liked at 20 years old, you may not like at 30 years old, on and on. Physical change, emotional change. Can I get a witness from somebody? Change is inevitable. It's going to occur. Things that you thought were important yesterday may not be important today, including people, certain people. 
I get, I, I, Brother Corey, I get off on some things in my own mind sometimes, and I'm not apologizing. I'm just telling you what promotes thoughts like this. But the other day, I just started making an emotional list of people that have been a blessing to me in my life and people that have stabbed me in the back in my life. And I'm going to tell you, that list, that latter list was much longer than the former. Is it okay to be real, or do you have to just... But through everything, that's just life. People that I depended on yesterday to help me through life, Christians are not Christians. Churchgoers are people that I worked with. Life changes. They go down different roads, I go down different roads. Life's in, change is inevitable. And when I think about how I made decisions as a younger person before life started changing me. I wish I could redo some of that process. And I wish someone would ask me sometime, what would you advise your younger self? I'm talking about in the dimension of living for God. Not school and anything like worldly influences, but in living for God, what would you tell your younger self or tell your daughter's son? So... I wasn't raised in the church. I was raised in believing in God, um, knowing that there was a God, that he was with me, that I could pray to him, but I only prayed to him when I needed him. It wasn't something that was taught to me as an importance to actually know him. To I didn't know that it was important to be baptized. It wasn't important to walk a godly life. It wasn't important to read my Bible or anything like that. That it was just, oh, as long as you believe, you're, you're good to go. So my entire childhood, I thought, eh, I'm golden. But um, I would have to say that the one thing that I would tell my younger self would be to seek the truth earlier in life. There's two turning points that I know for sure that caused me to step back and be like, hmm. Maybe what I believe is not actually real. Um, I put a lot of um, weight in what other people thought of me, what I looked like, which the person I am now is not what I was in high school. I didn't have an opinion. I hardly really talked. Um, I was told that I wasn't going to do any good in life, that I wasn't going to go anywhere, and I believed that. Um, it led me to, sorry, um, to be anorexic for three years, but my turning point was when I started actually working for, at, at Baylet Shoes with Sister Herring. And, um, Um, she started talking to me. She didn't push. She didn't, uh, tell me, oh, wow, you're going to hell. Like, she didn't say anything like that, but, I mean, she slowly started telling me, like, oh, the importance of being baptized, the importance of knowing God. Um, and it made me stop and think, like, huh, like, gosh, maybe she's just kind of out there. Uh, <laughs> um, but the more and more I started working with her and really learning about that, I started started going to church. I didn't go to this church for a while um, 
Um, and then we ended up starting to come to this church and absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, the, and that's when I started really seeking. And then the second turning point would be, I think it was in 2015 when pastor asked all of us to stand up and make a vow to read your Bible. And, and even if it was just, <laughs> for a while, even if it was just a Bible verse, and I remember him saying, even if it's just a Bible verse, it's still reading your Bible. And for the longest time, that's all I did was just read my Bible daily verse. Um, but the more and more that I read the Bible, the more and more I realized, like, oh, the Bible actually tells me, like, how to live for God, how to, how to pray. And because of those two turning points in my life, those would be what I would tell my younger self, like, seek truth, seek the Lord, and seek relationship with God a lot earlier than what I did. It's funny how, not funny, but it's ironic how God works. She came in being witnessed to, then her mother came in, then her husband and kids come in, then her sister and brother-in-law come in. Seek truth earlier. Now, if you'd told me that as an 18-year-old, I would have thought, what, what? I would have thought just like Pilate. I would have probably said exactly what John 18, 38 says. What is truth? What is truth? Seek truth. But I also believe, as you said, you always knew there was something more. God is too serious of a matter to think that we can just float around on some opinion or idea. I've told my kids a hundred times, though, if I've told them once, just start all over tomorrow. All right, we're going to pray through this. We're going to get over that, and we're going to start all over tomorrow. I'm not going to be the one that says, you crossed the line one too many times. You can't, you can't tell people you love or hate that. You can't tell people that. We're the, we're the last line of hope for people sometimes. Anybody else question or comment about Sister Sonatag, Brother DJ, Sister Maya? Good stuff tonight. Iron sharpens iron. That's what it's about. Anybody, praise the Lord. Brother Plale? It was good stuff. It really was. Really, really is. Yeah. Because the second you stop, you die. Yeah. Yeah. If my cousin, I'm sure Teresa's watching tonight, but her dad used to tell me all the time. And we'd have we'd have these not that this would surprise you, but I used to be a worship leader in his church. And I I didn't feel like we did anything if we didn't run the aisles and scream and bounce off the walls. 
get that funeral music out of here. I want something lively. I want to stir me up. Anyway, he used to have this saying. He'd say, listen to me, Ron. I don't care how high you jump, how hot you get. He said, what I care is how straight you walk when your feet get back on the ground. Are you living it or just acting it? Are you living it or are you just putting up a facade? Appreciate your comments tonight. They were tremendous and on time. Sister Maya, Brother DJ, Sister Christy, thank you so much. Let's give them a hand tonight. Appreciate the Lord. Appreciate their... Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness that's better than life, for the peace of God, God, that we know we have to have in life. We understand that without your peace, God, we're destined to turmoil, and I don't want that, Lord. Help us to have peace that passes all understanding, peace that is real, peace that is life-changing, peace that is authentic, Peace that is genuine, peace that is powerful, God. Holy Ghost peace, presence of God, peace in our life. I'm grateful for it, Lord. Grateful for it, Lord. Grateful for it, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth, now and forevermore. Hallelujah. Love you, sweet God. Love you, sweet God. Love you, Jesus. Somebody, in your own precious way, would you worship him tonight? Right now, this is the kind of praise that he loves. The kind of worship he adores. In your own way, just tell him with your own hearts. Words, I love you, Jesus. I want to be pleasing to you. I want the word to be personal to me. I want to know how to hit that reset button, God. Get a good start all over again. Hallelujah.